Welcome to the Alex Weber Show. I am Alex Weber. And this is all about you being the unstoppable you and being a leader that people can admire. I'm an international speaker, award-winning TV host for NBC and competitor on NBC American Ninja Warrior. Friend Alex Weber, Herb Ashley. I like it, okay, Alex. And I'm bringing on incredible individuals to help share about our hard moments. Challenges aren't gonna stop, but you're not gonna stop either. Welcome to the Alex Weber Show. Today on the podcast, we've got Shane Jackson, president of Jackson Healthcare. I had the good fortune to speak to one of Jackson Healthcare's company, locumtenants.com. Just amazing people. And when I met Shane, he's just such a good-hearted and genuine guy. And then you see what he has accomplished, what he's led. It's awesome. I'm fired up to have Shane Jackson on the Alex Weber Show. Awesome. I am so fired up to welcome in Shane Jackson. Uh, Shane, we got to meet when I was fortunate. You welcomed me in. I was a keynote speaker for an amazing gathering with locumtenants.com. And uh, it was just absolutely a blast. Such a high energy day. And uh, it's wonderful to see you again, brother. Well, it's great to see you again. And uh, you brought the energy, man. You were fantastic. So locumtenants.com is one of our it's our largest Jackson healthcare company. And uh, we had all of their associates there at the same time. And you killed it, man. You were great. <laughs> Thank you. Means a ton, means a ton. And, you know, so I was struck immediately by the energy of everyone. And there was just a ton of smiles. There was a ton of genuine excitement to all be in the same space together. I saw lots of hugs, lots of gathering. And, and, you know, my question is a lot of leaders listen to this and their question is how do you create a culture where people want to come to work? They care about the people that they're with. How do you create that culture of, of trust, of positivity, of, of cohesion? How have you done that as a leader? Well, I got a whole book out on this, so I'm going to, you know, just spend the next three hours summarizing the <laughs> book, if that's okay. That's perfect. Yeah, like, like there's a there's a lot that goes into it. Um, the uh, uh, building a, a great culture, having a strong culture. Um, the the biggest piece of it, really, to summarize it though, is that um, we, we all we all join teams groups because we have something in common that we're all trying to accomplish. We have some need that we can't do on our own. If we did, we do it on our own, but we can't do it on our own. We need other people. And so, so we get together and, and the reason you, you stay together with other people is because you not only have a common purpose, but you have a common belief in the way you want to accomplish that task, right? Of, you know, every group, every company, every team, they have to essentially solve the same problems. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Um, but, but they stay together because they believe in the way that they're doing it. Mm. Um, and that's based on the the individual values and beliefs that we have matching those of the group, right? And you know, like, I, you know, this is really important to me. I believe this is the the way that works. I believe this is something that's that's true. This is a principle that's really important to me. And when I'm part of a group that where there are other people who believe that as well, it impacts all the decisions we make, yeah. right? You know, this is why we do it this way, not that way. It's all based on these these kind of common values and beliefs. 
when we're with a group like that, we, we, we bond, we communicate well, we, we relate to each other because we're relating on this, these really fundamental levels. And when we don't, uh, we go look for somewhere else that can. That's, you know, alignment is, uh, is so much of what I hear from what you're saying and really how people have belief. And that's a, that's a tough commodity these days is where do you put your belief? And really belief comes hand in hand with trust. And so have there been any actions that you've done as a leader to try to foster that belief that, you know, people do have safety within your teams? Yeah, we have this saying within the business where we talk about having a fail safe environment. Okay. Yeah. And and, and what I mean by that is uh, that simply we not only accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes and screw stuff up, we actually embrace it. Right. Mm. Because the the, the opposite of a fail safe environment is one where you punish failure. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and, and the problem is if you punish failure, you also inhibit innovation and creativity and pushing the envelope and all those sorts of things. Because guess what? When you're innovative and you're creative yeah. and you're trying hard, you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed. Like it's just the nature of it. And so um, and so we talk about a fail-safe environment where, you know, we don't really like if you make the same mistake over and over. That's a different thing. <laughs> but we we want you to fail, yeah. learn from it, and then apply it to the next great idea you're going to have. Yeah. Um, because the next one you're going to have is maybe the one that, that succeeds. And so we, we, as I said, we not only, only tolerate and expect it, we actually, we actually embrace it. We, mm. we bring people into the organization in roles and methods where they can go and try things. And do, so when they make mistakes, they have a lesser impact wow. than later, right? We, you know, put them in, in situations where, where the mistakes don't cause as big of a consequence as, this, as they do later. And yeah. when you allow people to go through learning and kind of uh, 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 experiencing that, that, that failure, um, it not only is a great teacher, yeah. but it's a great builder of trust. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that. It's actually part of the strategic forecasting is giving some room to, you know, the word that pops out and I, I don't mean levity in it, but play a little bit of having that space to, you know, I think of sports and we say players make plays and, and, you know, you, you need to allow people to, to do that. But the flip is just what you said where, okay, now they screwed up and, and, and it's okay as well. Yeah, how about how players make make plays? And you've got to sometimes, I think, especially in organizations, it's got to be part of the culture. And sometimes you even have to push people, right? Because high performers don't like to be viewed as screwing up. Yeah. Right. I mean, yep. I, I mean, one of the things with, with high performers, I know this is certainly the case for me, and I read this with a lot of like high-level athletes, mm. they actually hate losing more than they love winning. Right. And so, and so well, high performers don't want to be seen as like, oh, I screwed this up. They want to be known as the person that gets things done. You know, every idea I have is a great one, all that sort of thing. And that's a, that's a, a false pride issue that we have to like, I have to push myself out of and we have to push people out of. And so one of the things like with my leaders, I, I had a leader one time come in, he was talking about like all of the the things they had, all the projects they had going on, and like every one of them was working. 
And I just told him, I said, you know, this is this is nice that all this stuff you're doing is working, but what it tells me is you're not trying hard enough. Wow, I mean, yeah. for an organization your size and all the different things you got going on, if you're not screwing something up, it means you're not pushing the envelope, right? Yeah. Like, let's, let, I mean, nobody's that good. And so, uh, and, and so, so it was just creating that and even pushing like, hey, Keep going, keep going. When you screw up, I'm here with you. Like we'll dig in together and we'll learn from it and we'll and we'll keep going. But if if you're not failing at all, it means you're playing it too safe. So good, so good. And that line that you just said of "I'm here with you," I think that encapsulates so much uh, because that's you know that's our worst fear is that we screw up, we're not good enough, and then someone that has an impact on us fires us, leaves the relationship. And, you know, I want to switch gears here because I have no doubt that so much of, of your leadership expertise came from being in the hot seat, heading all of the amazing teams that you do. I'm curious in your life, and, and maybe this was growing up, who was the first leader that you admired and what was it about them that had an impact on you? Yeah, so um, it's funny. I first got this question, and it wasn't that long ago, maybe two or three years ago, and it really made me think because, uh, so for me, um, you know, when I think of great leaders I admire, I think of my father, and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, he founded our company. He's a great entrepreneur. I learned more about leadership from him than anyone else, but if I think about the first leader I learned from, I, I didn't, you know, growing up, my dad wasn't a leader. It was my dad, right? You know, and so... And so I actually used to really start thinking about some of the, the you know, kind of coaches and, and um, uh, people who were in my life when I was younger. And one of the ones that really comes to mind was when I was in high school and, and doing a lot of theater because I was a, you know, theater nerd back then. I'm still a nerd, just a different guy. <laughs> it, um, it was my, my high school uh, uh, theater director, drama director. And... Uh, I, I didn't realize this, you know, at the time what I learned from him, but one of the things that he did that was so unique, especially working with high school students, mm. was the amount of freedom that he gave us. And I didn't realize what he did until later when I, you know, as a college student, and as an adult, started working with different directors who were very, very prescriptive. Right. in the way that they directed, right? It was like, I mean, you've done some theater. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, you're blocking. I want you to take three steps this way. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to write, like very, very prescriptive. In high school, um, this director was actually the opposite. We would start a scene and he would be like, just go. Okay, now try it a different way. Now do something different. And, and I think he was kind of working things to get to, you know, where he ultimately yeah. wanted to go. But the difference was, instead of telling us what to do, he gave us the freedom to learn, right? Which kind of goes back a little bit to the conversation we just had about the freedom to fail. Mm -hmm. And so, but it, it, it tossed a lot of things. First of all, instead of learning what he, just he was telling us to do, he helped us learn how to block a scene, how to tell a story, like, like actually how to do it, not just yeah. doing what, exactly what he told us to do. The other thing is he gave us incredible confidence, right? Because it's like, instead of me just doing someone's telling me, I can do this, right? Yeah. I can go out and I can create and all that. And, and I got to tell you, that is something that as a leader, I have really 
try to instill in, 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 in managing people as well is, again, giving them the opportunity. Instead of me just saying, here's what I want you to do, right. it's, it's helping them to understand the why behind it. Right. right, giving them the opportunity to to uh, explore and learn for themselves, and even when I am instructing them, not just say take three steps to the right, but say, "Hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish here, and why, and this is why it's important you take three steps to the right here." That was, I, I mean, I, I I think pretty novel for someone yeah. working with high school students yeah. to take that approach. But man, it made a big difference on me, and I think all of my uh, my friends as well. That's incredible, and and you're exactly right. Well, one I relate to of uh, you know, I've done some some plays, and you just feel like everything you do, no, wrong, do this, and and really as a a performer now, whether that's in sports or business or theater, that shuts you down. Well, I don't yeah. want to think for myself. I don't want to do anything. And exactly what you said, that parallel. Uh, of now with your teams, giving people that space to where they can play around. And, and it's, it really speaks to, you mentioned the confidence of, of building that in the performer. I also think there's a lot of confidence in that leader because you have some faith that we're going to get there of where we want to go. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're exactly right. And I, as you were just talking about, I, I'm remembering this, uh, another show that I did, and I, I remember, you know, one of the first scenes that we were rehearsing, and I did something, and the director just like, cut, like, stop, <laughs> like, no, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, whoa, okay, and so then the next scene we did, like, I just stood there, right. I'm like, I'm not doing anything until you tell me, because I do not want that reaction again, yes, and, and so, and to your point as confidence in a leader, to allow that kind of freedom means that uh, you have to have not only uh, confidence in, in yourself to, to be able to direct people when, when necessary, but also the humility mm. to realize that you don't necessarily have all the right answers, right? Because, because you know, an actor, someone on your team right. may do something that you go, oh, that's not what I was thinking, but that's actually better. Like, let's go with that. Yeah. Right. And, and, and the confidence to know that you'll get there by allowing the team, uh, you know, to work together and people, uh, the ability to create. So good. So good. And it's, uh, you know, really hit home there as well when you said the reaction. Um, and that links to also what we were talking about, about high performers, how there's an element of pride. Right. And yeah. so it's one thing to make a mistake. Mistakes, just learning. You're going to ebb and flow. But if we shame people, gosh, that is destructive. Well, and to your point, also, and especially for high performing people, uh, when they screw something up, there is nothing that as a leader you can do or say that's going to make them feel worse than they already feel. Right, right. I, right. I, I mean, you know, I mean, at that point, like, I mean, if I do something, I mean, like, I've beaten myself up so much, yep. it kind of doesn't matter what you say. I mean, you can just pile on. But it's not going to help anything. Yeah. yeah. What what I need and want in that moment is to use phrase be early is to somebody that like kind of gets down in it with me. Mm -hmm. It's like okay, we screw this up. How are we going to get out of this? You know what 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 are we we going to do here? And and you know talking about building a great culture and team. I mean I had this this happened just earlier 
this year, it's a few weeks ago, where we had somebody, I, somebody I worked with, like screwed up something big. Like it was, mm. it was not a inconsequential okay. screw up. And, and, you know, and, and to the point where I think, you know, some other people thought, right, hmm, somebody's going to lose their job. Yeah. Out of this. And, and, um, you know, just continue to apply this principle, though, and had a conversation with them. And, you know, it's like, all right, how are we going to learn from this? How are we going to put in controls in the organization so we don't have this, this screw up again? And I remember, you know, somebody asked me, like, I'm really kind of surprised you stuck with him through that. And I said, you know, look, that uh, experience was expensive. But it was an education to this individual. Like, believe me, they will never make that mistake again. So why would I want to pay for their education and not get the benefit of it in the future? Right. And it wasn't like a moral thing. It wasn't, they didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't, it wasn't an integrity issue. Any of that sort. it was just an honest mistake. They overlooked, they screwed something up. It was costly, but now I've got someone, and this is a leader, someone in a leadership position who really, really understands this issue better than anyone else possibly could because of what they went through. And the fact that we suck through them makes the organization stronger and it builds an incredible amount of trust between the two of us. Wow. That's that's a, a put in your money where your mouth is moment because it's all fun in games. We can play, we can experiment, it's fail safe until that moment where someone really does it. And so you're living it. Uh also, you know, what strikes me with it is the amount of poise. And you know, I've played for sports teams, I've I've worked for big companies and now with big companies. And, and sometimes leaders can be pretty reactive. And I think what you demonstrated there beyond besides just deep business wisdom was also a, a lot of poise in not making an emotional reaction. How do you go about that? Uh, well, some of it is a discipline of realizing that for me, I have to try to be really, really aware that when I'm emotional is a really bad time to make a decision, mm. react, engage with other people. And some of that is just self-awareness, right? I mean, I, 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 there's been writing on this and people, you know, said all decisions are emotionally driven and we only look for facts to back up our emotional decisions, and I'm not sure I 100% agree with that, but for most people, most of the time, it's probably true. Um, however, I would argue, and I, I've learned from me, whether your emotions completely drive your decisions, they do and probably should at least inform your decisions. And, and so taking some time to let the intensity of your emotions die down and then think about why did I react so emotionally to that? And then let that drive your decision is, is, a, is a good discipline. And, um, and one of the things I would say over time as well is that is you are more conscious about responding versus reacting, meaning I'm going to take time to be thoughtful to this and I'm going to respond to it instead of just letting my emotions cause me to react. 
as you are more thoughtful about responding instead of reacting, your reactions become more responsive. Meaning now I've seen this before. I've been through this before. You know, I, I, I know where this is and my reactions become better because I've responded to it before. And so now I know what I want to do. And so I will say like now for me, you know, even especially dealing with people kind of on this failure thing. Yeah. That's pretty just reactive. It's, 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 it's my go-to because I have been through it before. Sometimes now I actually have to kind of take a pause back and go like, Hey, is, is this actually maybe worse than we thought? Like, do we need to respond to this a little bit differently? Right. But if you can kind of build that, that discipline to be responsive uh, instead of reactive, it's going to help make your reactions more like what you'd hope they'd be. Building that muscle. Yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, I want to turn, uh, turn it on to Shane now. And, uh, you know, this notion of being unstoppable, I believe it's a mindset where we accept and embrace the fact that as we go after big, bold, beautiful lives, challenges are going to be a part of that. And whether that's we want love or we want uh, a mile marker or, or an accomplishment, challenges are going to come with that. My question to you is, was there an unstoppable moment where you really feel like you got knocked down? A challenge, an obstacle, and it really tested you where you wondered if you would, in fact, be able to overcome it. Yeah, and um, I love how you phrased this, by the way, as an unstoppable moment, because in those moments, you feel stopped. Yeah. Right? You know, and, and, and but, but what it does in turn to you. And, you know, I think hopefully for most people, I think for people who've had any, any kind of success in their life, you, you probably have more than one of these, right? Where it's just like, man, there's the, just these moments you hit where you think it's, uh, you just don't think things are going to work. And professionally, there's, there's been a few, uh, and, and a few times, at least, that were just really, really hard, really, really stressful. But it's funny when you when you brought this up to me, as I began reflecting on this, the the things that I, I thought about were were more we call it personal and relational. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think even hearing kind of the way you talk about this, it, it probably similar, you know, for you, you've talked about, you know, how the relationship dynamics were during those, those things that you were, you were going through. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think that's, that's true for me. And, and there was, there's probably a couple of examples I could give, but the big one um, was, was very, very personal. It was very hard. And it was, um uh, it had to do with my marriage. Mm. Um, when so my wife and I were very young when we got married. We got married right out of college, um, and like I think almost everyone who gets married, each of us showed up into this relationship with our expectations, with our emotional baggage, with our lack of ability to communicate effectively with our selfishness, like all that kind of stuff. Right. And this, I mean, this is what people bring in yeah. into relationships. And for us, it was especially true. And I think especially being as young as we were, frankly, we were really unprepared to contribute what it takes to make a successful marriage. 
And, um, you know, and so the first few, probably even years of our marriage were hard. Um, and, and, and looking back, we, we made them hard. I know certainly I did with just some of the really poor, <laughs> poor communication, uh, you know, just yeah. completely in, in, inability to argue, like, you know, without being mean and cruel, like just all those things that we bring into relationships. Yeah. And, I, you know, I know for me, I, it, it, there was a moment uh, where we, we, we had been married not, not, not very long. And, um, and, and where I thought this isn't going to work. And, and I, very specifically where I was at home in a moment when I thought my marriage is ending and like, there's no hope left. Like that's, that's how bad it had gotten. Um, and, and that was an incredibly humbling mm. experience to feel like I was such a failure that I couldn't even make it more than just a few years into marriage without completely screwing it up. Um, it was a very dark moment. It was, yeah. it was, it was very, very hard. It was depressing, literally. And so now, by the way, the rest of the story is that here, surely my wife and I are going to celebrate our 26th anniversary. We have three amazing children. She is absolutely my best friend and my soulmate. And so there's a happy ending to this story. Yeah. But to the point we said earlier, in that moment, it felt like full stop. Yeah. And, and thank, thankfully, with some really just wise counselors and psychologists that were placed in our life, they were able to, to kind of work us through that. Um, and now, looking back on that moment, we do feel unstoppable in our marriage yeah. because we talk about this all the time because by the way it's still hard sometimes and we still fight and we still don't communicate effectively all the time like that's just the way you know relationships are yeah but when we go through those we look back at that moment in our house 23 years ago and go if we can survive that we can survive anything like we have an unstoppable relationship at this point because at that point that was that was so hard uh, to go through. And, you know, and, and I just, I, I share that because I, I know during that time, I felt so alone, mm. not just because I was in a relationship that was failing, but because I thought I was the only one. Like, I, I felt like, well, everybody else has got this figured out. And I'm just such a screw up that I can't, I can't have a relationship that works. What I've learned since then is that as I share this story, everybody else goes, oh, been there, right? Or, you know, survived it or didn't survive it or, you know, or, or whatever. But everyone else has been there. And I just think for me, back during that time to hear like, hey, you're not alone. Yeah. This is something that relationships go through. And by the way, there's hope would have been really impactful for me. And so, uh, you know, hopefully maybe that's hopeful for someone else too. Yeah. I, I just want to say how much I, I appreciate that of, of what you shared because you've accomplished a lot 
And you very much could have just said, you know what? There was this big deal that we weren't going to close. But then in the 25th hour, I pulled out a master move and we closed it. But you didn't. And I'm sure there's plenty of those. You shared about something deeply personal. And, um, you know, you you even shared some words of of feeling like hope was lost, um, that you felt depressed. You said alone, which I think is very powerful to hear. And and also what really struck me is you made a move to welcome in help, uh, whether that was, you know, as you mentioned, psychologists and therapists. And I think, you know, in my own journey, that's tremendously helped me. And there was something that I had to get past where I felt some shame or failure of like, why am I needing help? I should be able to do this alone. And I, I think it's confidence and humility to be able to welcome that in. And um, I'm curious, you know, how did you handle that moment of knowing, you know, maybe, maybe some, some help could support us here? Not well. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, honestly, I mean, I think like you said, I think, um, you know, that pride of I ought to be able to do this and, oh, I'm not, you know, one of those people that needs you know, a psychiatrist and all, yep. all that sort of thing, right? Is it one of those people? Like, you know, yep. um, uh, and and like, if I'm being totally honest, I mean, some of, I just did it like kind of feeling like uh, is a requirement. Like, I mean, you know, I guess before you get divorced, you ought to see a counselor, mm-hmm. right? What, you know, I mean, it was sure. just, you know, it, it was that, that sort of thing. And so, uh, but it is also part of why I, love sharing the story. And I love the fact that you talked about that as well is removing the shame of that. Like we all need help. The myth of the self-made man is just that it's a myth. Mm -hmm. We're certainly all responsible for ourselves and our effort and the way we show up and that sort of thing, but nobody can do it on their own. Otherwise we wouldn't have teams and companies and whatever. We just have a bunch of individuals. All of us need different people to come alongside us at different points in our lives and help us. And, um, you know, it's funny now when I talk to people and they're like, ah, you know, counseling, I'm whatever. I'm like, you will love it. <laughs> You'll love it. Like, you know, going and sitting and like for an hour and like somebody just talk about me. I mean, I'm awesome. I love talking about <laughs> it, right? You know, in somebody that would, you know, and, and then honestly, the other is having somebody that's true neutral third party who will yeah. call you on your crap. Yep. Yep. You know, and like, I mean, man, it's so, it's just, it's just so powerful. And so, so blessed that, you know, through, uh, through that experience against my own will, maybe even to have some just really powerful, wise counselors come into my life saved my marriage, but it made my life so much better. And, um, and so, you know, if that's you out there right now and you're resisting it, like don't. Mm. So good. So good. And, you know, one of my pillar beliefs is that your challenges create your gifts. And, and it seems like that challenge also gave some deep strength and this mindset in your relationship that's now serving you 26 years later. A hundred percent. And I tell you, I, I, I mean, I think for that experience, and, and my guess is a lot of people you talk to, and I think for you, when you go through these really, really hard things, um, 
to, to me, what it gave me was an immense sense of gratitude. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and again, I said this a second ago, but it, it, sure, like, you know, I have to do the hard work. My wife has to do the hard work. Like, in whatever, you know, you're, you're going through, you're responsible for how you show up. You're responsible for the choices you make. You're responsible for how you uh, spend your energy, how your attitude, you're responsible for all that. But there's still so much that has to happen around you in order for uh, you to have the experiences in life that you desire. And, and again, you know, to looking back on that, to have, the right people come to my life at the right time to have a spouse who was also willing to swallow her pride, to be humble, to be willing to look at the garbage that she was bringing, like to be married to somebody like that was, I mean, I don't want to use the word lucky, but it was, it was, it was, it was amazing. Right. All, All of those things that came in, like I didn't do any of that. Those are all gifts to me. And the and the result of that gift has been 26 years and growing of amazing marriage. Um, and, and, you know, to me, that makes it like, I don't feel pride on that. I feel it, just incredible gratitude. Incredible. It's amazing, brother. And I, I'm so grateful to you for, for sharing your time. And this is, uh, I've had a blast doing this. I, I have, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just want to say again, I, I really appreciate how honest and open you are about, about letting us into your personal life and also the beliefs of, of how to foster teams with, with trust and, and that freedom to play, letting players make play on the stage and, and, uh, in the workplace and you walk the walk in your personal life as well. So Shane, just deeply grateful to you. Thank you, Alex. It's been just been great. Thanks for asking me to do this. Awesome. Make sure to connect with Shane on LinkedIn. Absolutely incredible guy. He's a man that I admire, a leader that I admire, and so grateful that you're here to share your time with me and these incredible guests. We'd love it if you subscribe, share this with anyone that you feel would benefit, and I'll see you right back here on the Alex Valley Show.